The name of this blog is Living High. Let me assure you that everything looks different when you are high. A few thousand feet high, to be specific. Altitude definitely changes our attitude. I like to repeat that if I could. Altitude definitely changes our attitude. To prove my point, allow me to reminisce from my childhood. Among my fondest memories were plane rides Dad would take us on. Dad had a love for flying, and he owned several planes during his lifetime. The two planes that I remember the most were a Piper Tri-Pacer and a Cessna 180, which we called the Yellow Buzzard. Whenever Dad announced that we were going to go flying, excitement just filled the house. Our house was on a hill overlooking a grass landing strip where our plane was tied down. We would pack up the few things we needed for the trip. We would run down the hill and then just jump into the plane. Once we were all buckled in, Dad would begin prepping the plane. I can still clearly remember that the whirring sounds as all the instrument panel gauges just sprung to life. And then Dad would yell out the window, Clear! A final warning to anyone that might be nearby. He started the engine, the propeller spun, and at first it felt like that lightweight plane was going to shake itself to pieces. Soon things smoothed out and we began to roll forward. We then taxied to the northern part of the landing strip. Then Dad would check the instrument panel one more time. Then he would push in the throttle and the plane would lunge forward and begin dashing and bumping and bouncing down that grassy highway. Then came that magical moment when the wheels left the ground and the plane began its ascent. Higher and higher we climbed. Now, Mom was the official navigator. She mapped out all of our trips and had all of the lines drawn out on the map. As we flew, she would use landmarks to pinpoint our location on the map. That was quite a job. Sometimes, just for fun, Dad would buzz the strip. Now, this meant descending toward the landing strip. But instead of landing, he would keep up his speed and maintain a very close distance to the ground. And then, right as the landing strip ended, he would pull back on the steering yoke and up we shot in what, to my sisters and I, felt like a completely vertical climb. Our stomachs were left down on the ground, way down on the ground. Once we reached the peak of the climb, Dad would then ease in on the steering yoke, the nose of the plane would tilt over, and then we entered into almost a free-fall descent. At that drastic shift in direction, our stomachs, which were still catching up with our bodies, they were determined to continue upward as we actually went downward. Eventually, Dad would level off the plane and our stomachs and our bodies were fully united. Whew. I've been on a lot of extreme roller coasters since that time, but nothing has ever seemed close to my dad's sky rides. Now, my most vivid memory of flying has always been the view as we flew around our county, Tuscarawas County here in Ohio. 
Seeing familiar locations from this new perspective always fascinated me. It was so completely awesome to look down and see our house in the country as a small, tiny, monopoly play piece on the hill far below. From that altitude, everything looked so neat and organized. The neighboring farmlands became perfectly sewn patches of quilt work stretched out upon the valleys and hills. In the autumn, changing leaves would cause the forest to burst into colorful displays that words could never describe. What a beautiful sight. There is no doubt about it. Things definitely look different when you are high. Let me say that one more time. There is absolutely no doubt about it. Things definitely look different when you are high. Okay, I'm back from the past. Thanks for allowing me to reminisce. But I do believe that there is a wonderful application for our lives as believers. Let me start with this. There is no one, absolutely no one, who knows all about altitude like our Heavenly Father. He is the Most High God. Take a few moments right now and use your imagination to grasp just a little bit of the magnificent view that he has from where he sits. From God's heavenly throne perspective, he sees things in ways we could never imagine. Isaiah 55 verses 8 to 9 says it like this. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Being omnipresent, that means everywhere at the same time, and also being omniscient, that means knowing everything there is to know, God has an altitude of perspective which is definitely mind-boggling. But consider this. In Isaiah 57 verse 15, we read that God inhabits eternity. He knows the end from the beginning. This adds another truly marvelous dimension to his perspective. He sees and knows everything in the present moment and at the same time in all future and past moments. As the old hymn goes, I know who holds the future and I know who holds my hand. The psalmist made a very unique observation about God. He who sits in the heavens laughs. That's from Psalms 2 verse 4. And in New American Standard, it says, He who is enthroned in the heavens laughs. Knowing that God is the most high God in both time and space provides firm ground for trusting Him through the maze of life. As God's children, we can find great comfort in this revelation. When God speaks, we can rest assured that his word is as good as and far better than gold. He knows exactly what he's talking about. When he sent his son Jesus to be the savior of the world, it is because it is exactly what we needed. 
When God says that he is the author and finisher of our faith, we can be sure he will finish what he started. And when he says that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, well, it would probably be a very wise and healthy thing for us to do just that, to acknowledge Jesus as Lord in every area of our lives. Yes, think about this. Recognizing God's altitude can definitely change our attitude. Let me say that one more time. Recognizing God's altitude can definitely change our attitude. In the midst of the tangled mess of roots and brush and the trees of life's twisted situations, it's impossible to even realize that we are in a forest. As the old adage goes, we can't see the forest for the trees. But he who sits in the heavens laughs as he sees everything all laid out neatly and all perfectly organized, just as obviously as I viewed those farmland quilts from the window of dad's plane. No wonder he can sit back and lovingly laugh, knowing all that he knows and seeing all that he sees. While writing this article, I came across a verse that really blessed me. Now, it's from the chapter of Proverbs that talks about the virtuous woman. That's chapter 31 of Proverbs. Apparently, one characteristic of a virtuous woman is that she too has a high altitude vision of life and can laugh at the future. Let me say that again. One characteristic of a virtuous woman is that she too has a high altitude vision of life and can laugh at the future. Here's what the verse says in the ESV translation. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. In the New American Standard Version, this is Proverbs 31.25, it says it like this. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. Now, let me change gears just a little bit and talk about experiencing the high. You see, knowing this truth is good, yet amazingly, our Heavenly Father offers something to us that is a whole upgrade better, our own personal high. You see, it's one thing to be on the ground watching Dad flying high, but quite another thing to sit in that plane with him. It's one thing to know our Heavenly Father lives high, but another thing entirely to live high with him. How is this possible? Okay, here's what the Bible says. Ephesians 2 verses 4 to 6 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2 says it like this. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above 
where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are here on the earth. Now, these scriptures are powerful, but they must be experienced and not tucked away in our Bible study notebooks. Far too often, we Christians mistake knowledge for real experience. Let me say that again. Far too often, we Christians mistake knowledge for real experience. And then we become satisfied and even somewhat proud about that knowledge. Then when reality hits, knowledge evaporates, leaving us empty and frustrated. It's one thing to know doctrinally that the believer is seated in heavenly places with Christ, but it's quite another to experience life at that higher altitude. I like to repeat that if I could. It's quite another experience to live life at that higher altitude. In fact, trying to live high by ourselves is downright impossible, no matter how much we study the doctrinal theory. But hallelujah, God is passionate about making the impossible possible. He has made it possible for us to climb aboard his plane and fly with him. We can laugh together with him regardless of the future that may seem so overcast with clouds of doubt and doom. Our Heavenly Father wants us to live with abundant joy far above our circumstances, and he has provided something wonderful for us. This is what Jesus was referring to when he told his disciples that they needed to wait for the helper. John 14, 26 says, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, has been sent to dwell within the believer through what Jesus referred to as the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He comes to dwell within us for this very purpose, to teach us, to bring God's word to our remembrance, and especially to imprint that word upon us and then cause us to rise out of theory into living experiences. Let me say that again. He wants to imprint. The Holy Spirit comes to imprint that word of God upon us and cause us to rise out of theory into living experiences. Now, John 14, verses 20 and 21 says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Now he was talking about that day when we receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of us. Now, Paul prayed that the Ephesians' spiritual eyes would be enlightened to know the surpassing greatness of power toward us who believe. That's from Ephesians 1, verses 19 through 21. The same power 
of the Holy Spirit, which raised Christ from the dead and seated him in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority. That's the power he wants to dwell inside of us. Paul explained that the resurrection power which works within us, that's Ephesians 3.20, that power which works within us is a person, and that person is the Holy Spirit. This is most definitely a major upgrade far above and far beyond doctrinal theory. The Holy Spirit longs to lift us into a high, a real high in the truest sense of that misused word. Maybe this is what David the psalmist was singing about. In Psalm 56, verse 6, David says, So I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. Paul exhorted the Ephesians that being filled with the Spirit was a high so much more excellent than wine could ever give. Ephesians 5, verse 18 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. Then Paul went on to explain to the Ephesians how to get that high, how to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5 verse 19 continues saying, Speak out to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, offering praise with voices and instruments and making melody with all your heart to the Lord. Praising, worshiping, singing, and making melody with our heart to the Lord, all of this enables us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul also mentions spiritual songs. Now, this special term, spiritual songs, it is definitely not referring to singing from our favorite hymn book. The two Greek words Paul uses for spiritual songs are pneumaticos and ode. An ode we understand in English as a lyrical poem intended for singing. Pneumaticos is the same Greek word Paul used when referring to the nine spiritual gifts. You can see that in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. And that word, pneumaticos, refers to something non-carnal, divinely supernatural, and something which is of the spirit. You see that the Greek word for spirit is pneuma. So pneumaticos means that which is of the spirit. When Paul uses the expression spiritual songs, he is referring to singing in the spirit, which means singing in tongues. And tongues is that gift of a prayer language which God makes available to all his children. Wow, what a fantastic gift. The gift of a prayer language, the gift of tongues, is just for speaking to God. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, Paul is explaining to the Corinthians, he says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Paul is telling us that we can sing in this spiritual language also. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15, Paul says, What is the conclusion then? 
I will pray with the Spirit, which means in tongues, and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, which means singing in tongues, and I will sing with the understanding also. Pulling it all together, we understand that Paul was teaching the Corinthians that the supernatural ability to sing and pray in tongues is an extremely awesome gift and tool which God has given for us to use for becoming spiritually high and getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul definitely knew what he was talking about. With all the persecution and suffering he went through, just read 2 Corinthians 6, 4-10 and 2 Corinthians 11, 23-33. With all the persecution and suffering that Paul went through, he always came out as more than a conqueror, Romans 8, 37 to 39. Paul lived so high that for him, eternity overshadowed this life. Let me say that again. Paul lived so high that for him, eternity overshadowed this life. Listen to how he talks in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 17 to 18. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. Joy is a fruit which the world around us truly needs to see in our lives, especially in these dark and uncertain times. Supernatural joy will abound to overflowing in our life when we learn to live at a higher altitude by the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. Supernatural joy will abound to overflowing in our life when we learn to live at a higher altitude altitude by the Holy Spirit. Note also how Paul describes his passion for keeping his joy levels high, even to the very end. In Acts 20 verse 24, Paul says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. If anyone knew how to stay high in the spirit, it was definitely the Apostle Paul. Knowing all the suffering he would be facing and the importance of his ministry to the Gentiles, read Acts 9 verses 15 to 16, when he understood this, the importance of his ministry to the Gentiles and all the suffering he would be going through, he desperately needed to keep himself edified and charged up. This is exactly what he says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. And that word builds up in the Greek can also be translated as to construct a building, to edify, to strengthen, to charge up, and to embolden. Paul clearly understood the benefits of speaking in tongues. That is why he so boldly exhorted the Corinthians to follow his example. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5, he says, Now I want you all to speak in tongues. And then he went on to make a very awesome declaration. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. (laughs) 
I love that verse. Let me say it again. 1 Corinthians 14, 18. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Well, by the way, this single verse, 1 Corinthians 14, 18, that single verse of Paul's declaration totally destroys many of the arguments that people make against speaking in tongues as a regular practice. I plan on posting another blog to teach on 1 Corinthians 14, 18 in order to provide new light for those with such arguments. But, you know, the, the, the question I ask myself is this. Why would anyone in their right mind ever want to argue against such a beneficial gift that God has purposely made available for all of his children? A gift that so many of God's children all over the world have already experienced ever since that first day of Pentecost. There are many theories and arguments out there, and of course on the internet, arguments against speaking in tongues. But as they say, a man with a theory is always subject to a man with an experience. And this is especially true when that experience so easily lines up with Scripture. I remember a close friend of mine who argued vehemently with me against the gift of speaking in tongues. He was the lead singer and musician of a Christian music band that he had formed. I, too, was a member of that band. He had some very strong reasoning and logic behind his arguments. And for a while, I thought our friendship would be jeopardized. Little did I know that his wife was secretly seeking God concerning this experience. One day, while he was praying and seeking God together with his wife, God baptized both of them in the Holy Spirit. And to their great surprise, they both began speaking in tongues. Obviously, that was the last time my friend ever argued with me about the gift of tongues. In fact, our music practices were totally transformed. Well, we practiced as usual, but when we finished a set of songs, we would then spend a good amount of time just singing in tongues, spiritual songs. Hallelujah. Personally, I have been immensely blessed by this prayer gift of speaking in tongues. The pastor who was mentoring me shortly after I had been born again, he took time to teach me from God's word about the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit and also about the benefits of speaking in tongues. On the same day that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, this pastor gathered a small group of us together and we spent several hours just praying in tongues. We also sang new melodies in tongues. In fact, we even sang in tongues to the tune of Amazing Grace. Oh, wow, what a high that was. What a wonderful experience. Now, that was in 1976, almost 40 years ago. And speaking in tongues has never stopped being a very regular part of my life. I sing and shout praises in tongues while driving my car. I sing in tongues in the shower. And when I'm holding hands with my wife in our devotional times, we'll pray in tongues together. When I'm with my family in our church for Sunday morning worship, we'll pray in tongues and sing in tongues when I was in India, I had no difficulty singing along with the precious Christians there. Now, I had no idea what they were singing about in their language, but I could sing in tongues right along with them. What a blessing that was. 
the practical benefits of being filled with the Holy Spirit and getting spiritually high on loving Jesus by praying and singing in tongues, well, those practical benefits are endless. My wife and I often taught a course that we called Marriage Discipleship. In one of those lessons, we taught a wonderful plan for argument management. Our code word for arguments was intense fellowship. And during intense fellowship times, emotions are running red hot and the intellect gets clouded up. As important as prayer would be at such times, it's clearly obvious that for either spouse to pray anything even remotely meaningful with their understanding muddied up with emotions, it would be extremely difficult. And realizing this, we always counsel the couples to purposely hold hands and pray in tongues together until they get spiritually high enough to be able to see their situation the way God does. So there it is. That airplane ride you always wanted, and probably like me, need right now, it's ready and waiting on the landing strip for you. When life down here gets all tangled up, we can just hop into our Heavenly Father's airplane. We can become as high as we want, getting filled with the Holy Spirit by praising and worshiping, and especially by praying and singing in tongues and letting those rivers of living water run clear and clean from our belly within. You know, there's an old hymn that really expresses my prayer. It goes like this. Lord, lift me up and make me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. In conclusion, hey, why, why don't you just join me in this prayer that I'm going to pray right now? Let's express our heart to the Lord. Oh, Lord, we want to enjoy life as more than a conqueror living high and laughing together with you in the joy of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the infilling and uplifting resurrection life of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us through the wonderful baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus, please remind us every moment of every day to edify and charge ourselves up by praying and singing in tongues. Lord, we are just so grateful that you have placed inside our innermost being this wonderful ability to change our attitude by changing our altitude. Dear Lord, we realize that we desperately need to be continually charged up, not merely for our sake, but also for the sake of all those precious souls you have placed around us. Thank you so much for enabling us to live a high life, a high life that will attract others to you. Amen.